right, let's turn to Daniel 10. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. We were recently at a Christian school in Raleigh, and we were leading their spiritual emphasis week, which Christian schools will do this, and it's like a little mini revival thing, and and it was being held in their auditorium. It was a really big, fancy auditorium, really nice place, and and so we were gathering backstage. It was legitimately backstage. For us, backstage usually means around the corner, stand, you know, there's not much space, and you're just kind of waiting your turn to come out, but big backstage area, and it's a costume closet, and we got back there and goofed off, and we're putting on top hats, and there's a band uniform, I remember, marching band uniform, and it was like a Viking sword, and you know, we're just goofing off, and and I thought, uh, I thought, man, I wonder how much has gone on back here with nerves and tension preparing to walk out on that stage and, and perform, you know. And um, it, when, when we open the scripture and we look into things of, spirit, like of, of spiritual nature in terms of like spiritual warfare, what we learn is that it's kind of like there's, there's two realms. There's the realm that's like behind the curtain that we usually don't see, that we don't see with our eyes. And then there's the realm that we do see, which is, is where we're interacting day to day. And in our text tonight, the scripture is going to kind of pull back the curtain for us and give us a little glimpse of what goes on behind that curtain. Let us see just briefly what goes on behind that curtain. Um, so we're coming to the end of our study in Daniel. And what's going to happen is uh, we're going to, Daniel's going to go into a vision um, and the explanation of that vision that's going to carry us out the rest of Uh, the book of Daniel. And so we'll jump in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So uh, the vision, uh, the time of the vision is important. It's significant because what's happened is when the Persians came into power, uh, they began to let the Jews go back to Jerusalem. And you remember this was a, pro- this was a pro- uh, fulfillment of a prophecy that Jeremiah had made that after 70 years in Babylon, the Jews would come back. And at this time, uh, Daniel stayed in Persia. And uh, I think probably the reason he stayed was because of his age. He's probably approaching 90 at this point. And also God's given him an incredible ministry. And he's there in Persia doing great work. We saw a few weeks ago that he's like this position, chief justice of the Persian Supreme Court. You know, he was in the Babylonian Empire. He was elevated to the position of like um, the like the superintendent of education in the king's cabinet. And then when Persia takes over, he becomes the chief justice of the Persian Supreme Court. Not bad for a Jewish boy who was in exile. You know, like God is just putting him in these incredibly influential positions. And so he stays behind, and, and, and he stays behind, and God gives him this vision, and in the vision, something really intense happens, and it overwhelms him with grief. It overwhelms him, and we see that in the next couple of verses. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, nor meat, nor wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So his reaction to the vision is pretty intense. He's, he's overwhelmed with grief. Now, psychologists, it's interesting. Psychologists will talk about something called complex grief. I'd be interested. I want to talk to Andrew Gray about this. I didn't get to this week. He works in the field of counseling, and I'm, I'm real curious um, to study into this a little bit because we've all had this experience where everything sort of stacks up. 
and you feel like, well, you know, it'd be one thing if I was grieving this. It'd be another thing if I was having to deal with this. It would be really bad if this was going on, but it's all happening at one time. Have you had a season like that? Uh, yeah, we all have. It's called 2020. Remember that? Um, remember? <laughs> remember? Yes, we remember. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those uh, like seasons for all of us. We're like, what? What else can we take? You know, and and I, I remember I've, I've shared a lot, and many of you lived through the events of 2007 here, where so much happened in a catastrophic way that year. But I was reflecting on that as I was studying this, and I remembered that in the middle of those events, so for me personally, Little and I lost a baby, my dad died, a couple of close friends died in their 30s, uh, we had four of our staff members who were killed in a car wreck, just boom, 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 and I thought about this the other day, there was a young man named Morgan Meager who worked on staff at Snowbird as a high school servant team worker who was burned horribly in the middle of all that in an accident here um, at camp and ended up in a burn unit over at the children's part of Erlanger. And I almost like, so much happened that that almost like checked, like I checked that out of my mind. And I remember seeing Morgan Meager a few uh, years later and saying, man, I'm so sorry that we didn't grieve well with you. But we had so much that we were grieving, it overwhelmed us. And I didn't even know how to grieve for everything that was going. Maybe you've had a season like that. Daniel's in this season of like intense, complex grief. And it seems to have been triggered um, specifically by the fact that when the exiles went back to Judah, um, the Bible records in the book of Ezra that they go back and there's sort of this celebration. Oh, we've been in Babylon for these 70 years. Now we're going to get to go back and establish our, our, our place of worship, establish our homeland. And when they get back, there's great conflict. Uh, about 50,000 of them return. So about 50,000 of his country, countrymen go back to reestablish. Remember, all these years that Daniel looked toward Jerusalem and prayed that God would restore that city, it begins to happen. And then it's catastrophic initially because there's a lot of opposition. People are killed. There, there are fatalities and casualties of that event. And at the same time that that's happening, he has this vision. Now listen, he has a vision that's going to unfold over the next couple weeks of the future. And in that future vision, he sees horrible atrocities happen to the people of Israel. So imagine you go back to about 1920, and you have a vision of those holocausts, like those concentration camps. You have no context for it. You just know these are Jewish people, and you see them going into the gas chambers, and you see them, their emaciated bodies, they're being starved to death, and you don't have context for it, but you know these are my people. It would overwhelm you with grief to know that that's coming to your people. So he's overwhelmed this sort of compounded grief. I would say this, for, for us today living in such a broken and crazy world, man, I, we, were, we were talking yesterday about how different life was in 2010. Like, I don't know that, that things could change more drastically than they have in a little over a decade. Before these things existed, literally, before these things existed. And, and what we feel is this constant pressing in of the darkness around us. And I want to encourage you with a couple of things that Daniel teaches us. The first, the first thing is feed your soul and your mind and your brain and your imagination things that will grow your faith and limit feeding yourself the things that will grow your fear. 
Some of you need to lay off of the – now, I don't ever preach at you, okay? But I've wrestled with this this week. Some of you need to lay off your news outlets, your social media, the amount of time you spend looking at Fox News and Newsmax and your favorite talking heads. Or you need to back off of that because if you're not careful, you just feed the fear – and you might not even recognize it as fear. You feed the anxiety. Listen, we have enough to be anxious about just living in this broken world. So we need to feed that, that which grows our faith. And so Daniel reacts in response to this, this vision by fasting and mourning for three weeks. He goes in this time of fasting. And so this is interesting. Verse 4, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uh, Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. So, so think about this. He fasts, for, so he has the vision. It so overwhelms him, he fasts and mourns for three weeks about something that has not happened yet. Very spiritually moved by this. So he goes into this time of fasting. He spends the next three weeks fasting and praying. And then he comes out of that, and it's three days later before the Lord speaks to him. And it's a, it's a good reminder for us that sometimes God speaks to us quickly and immediately, and sometimes it feels like God's not listening. You ever feel like your prayer, you ever hear that, use that saying, I just feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, like they're not getting out of the room. Well, when we pray, what we're doing is we're taking what is in the, the physical realm and we're, we're moving into the spiritual realm. So the seen realm is interacting with and engaging in the unseen realm. And so when we pray, oftentimes it feels like, man, I don't even know this is hitting the ceiling. Well, they don't have to hit the ceiling. We're moving into the spiritual realm where we're not dealing with ceilings and walls and physical space. Okay? So what, what Daniel has in this experience is this three-day delay. And I want you to think about this. In last week's text, he prayed, and by the end of the prayer, the angel was standing there. Remember that? He's like, uh, when you said, dear Lord Jesus, I, I, I headed this way. Right, And so it's like, we have that, there's times where you're like, man, me and Jesus are clicking, we're in step, which, by the way, Jesus is always clicking, just sometimes you and me ain't a step, right? And so, like, sometimes it's like, oh, man, we're rocking, this is good. I had, about three weeks ago, I had a day where, I remember it was like a Tuesday, and I was like, I felt like, I'm on top of the world, like, God is good, and bring it on, Satan, you know, like, let's go, I got this, and the next day I was like, I come in the fetal position in the bed of my truck, you know, like, what is going on? I'm so fragile. I didn't even know what it was like. I don't even know why. Spiritual realm, man, we're in and out of it. And sometimes you feel like, man, God's speaking to me. And sometimes it's like, hello, hello, like our stupid phones, you know, when you got that delay thing, you're like, hello, hello, hello. And so God is always, you'll hear a lot of, you'll hear this lesson a lot of times um, where it's, uh, and I've heard a lot of preachers use this, but it's like, when we pray, God always answers. Sometimes he answers right now, and sometimes he answers later. And sometimes his answer is yes when we petition him, and sometimes his answer is no, and sometimes his answer is not yet. I'll give you the answer later. And there's a process that we're in when we're communicating with God, and Daniel's learning that, and it's really helpful. So this, this uh, 
this angel appears, and the, it's like this description is kind of like the description of Jesus in Revelation and John's vision. It's really intense. And it says that literally when he speaks, his voice is like a, like a, like a stadium full of people. When I was a kid, back when I was a kid, the Tennessee football team used to win football games. It was so fun. Um, it was great, man. It was like some of, some of you, you don't remember it was before your generation. We're, that's what we're jumping in right now. So I remember we would go. My granddad had uh, season tickets over to um, to home football games, and we would. He shared season tickets with a couple of the guys at work, and so like one or two, usually two games a year, I'd get to go to a home game. And it was like 104,000 people in that stadium. It'd be packed out. And I remember one time they were playing Kentucky, which you should be able to beat Kentucky in football, okay? So even if you're in high school, all right? So like, um, and I remember and, and the parks are here right here. So like, so we got some Kentucky folks here. They're like, sadly, yes, this is true. Um, um, so I remember that, but I remember they kicked the football off and it was opening kickoff and the Tennessee guy caught it. And I remember he ran it back. He ran like 100 yards for a touchdown. And I remember as, as a sixth grader, it, my ears rang for a few days after that. Like the sound of that many people. When this, when this angel speaks, it's that kind of volume. Like he's, he's painting a really vivid picture for us. Verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So, so think uh, fight or flight. <laughs> These dudes, flight, they're out. Like that vision comes, like, we're out. It's like reminding me of that scene in Shrek where the dude's like yelling at Shrek and he's like, we're going to take you in. And, the, and Shrek's like, you and what army? And he's like, these guys. And you turn around and you remember that? And it's like, they've all left and their spears are just like dangling, you know, bouncing on the ground. It's like, these guys are like, I mean, they peaced out on Daniel. They're not good friends. That's all I'm saying. Like, um, not the kind of guys that you want around in a, in a bad spot. And so they run away and Daniel's standing there facing this, this angel, verse 8, so I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. What he's describing is fainting. He fainted. He just straight passed out. I've always thought that'd be the worst way to get killed. Like you become so overwhelmed with fear, you pass out, and then the enemy kills you. You know, like, it, like, like that that kind of fear that so overwhelms you. You quit breathing. You quit, like like you you hyperventilate or whatever. He literally faints under the weight of this. I think there's a a lesson here, kind of a, kind of a side lesson, and it's this: we need to be careful how common we are when it comes to our approach to the Lord. I mean, like you'll see these interactions with someone who has been in the presence of the Lord, but it's not Jesus, but he's been in the presence of the Lord and he'll come and he'll meet with someone and that person responds in fear and trembling. And oftentimes the angel will have to say, don't be afraid. Don't freak out. Like, look at me. It's okay. Like, and we need, we need to find that balance that the writer of Hebrews talks about where he says, we approach the throne of grace with confidence, but we need to maintain that Fear before the Lord, that trembling before the Lord. Verse 10, and behold, a hand touched me and set, set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken his word to me, I stood up trembling. So he faints under 
the intensity of this moment. And it's such an intense scene because literally the angel's bringing him kind of by, you know, the smelling salts, as it were. He's starting to kind of come to, and then he's on his hands and knees, and he's disoriented, and he's overwhelmed with the, the, the moment. And this, I think, in many ways is the key message here, and then and again uh, we'll see in verse 19, in many ways is, is, is that Daniel is referred to as a man who's greatly loved. You hear those words, it's like a warm blanket on your soul. Ever, ever be in the hospital and they keep, you're visiting somebody, they keep the hospital about 61 degrees. It is wonderful. So wonderful. I love, I love sitting in a room that is like icebox. Like you could hang meat in here to last a while. You know, like that's, that's good. And you're in there, and I can remember several times being in there with someone who, a sick kid, an injured kid, uh, you know, my granddad, or, or little, you know, maybe it's, it's uh, uh, in the labor and delivery, and they, they, you ask for a blanket, and they, I don't know what, where them, them blankets come from, but in that moment, that's like, that's warmth and comfort. Like, this, this, you are greatly loved. It should do that to your soul. It's like, it's cold. But this is warm to my soul, you know, to the depth of my soul. And so he's referred to, again, as he has been previously, as a man who is greatly loved by God. So in this moment where he's fallen before the Lord, before the, the Lord's angel, he's picked up and reminded, hey, it's okay. You are loved by God. You're greatly loved. This is who you are. Verse 12, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God... Uh, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So, so this is interesting. For the entire three weeks of fasting and prayer, Daniel was heard. So remember we said in the prayer last week, he prays, the angel shows up. Now he prays for three weeks. Then there's a three-day delay after that. Then the angel shows up, and he, and he explains to us, he's going to explain to us what has happened. Um, but, but it's important to understand, again, when we pray, our prayers leave the physical realm and go into the spiritual realm. Okay, so when you're praying, you're moving into the spiritual realm. Red Oak, that's really important for us to understand. It's really important. Remember one time, I've heard this story, I was, I was scouting back when we had the old old school program here. It's early, we're just getting ready to do old school, and I've told this story a lot, but I think it, it's so helpful here. I, I, I was by myself walking the, the backpacking course that we were going to do. It was going to be like a two-week backpacking trek, and some, some of you have, have, have done it. You were in that class. It was before we'd started our first class, and remember it was about day four, and this horrible storms were just just about to blow me off the mountain. I was like, man, I'm good. I've seen half the trail. I'm going, I'm going to go get Big Mac. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, um, I don't like backpacking. I'll just be honest. Like the idea of walking around, carrying a bunch of junk in your back. I'm like, I could put this in my truck and drive some cool roads around here and like go get pizza after I'm done. You know, like that's way better. And so I remember I'm, I remember I'm on the haunches, like on my haunches on the balls of my feet on my rolled up sleeping pad. Cause lightning is literally cracking just right around me. I'm up in graveyard fields and so it's three in the morning, and I remember there's this moment of slap happiness where I'm sitting there, balled up like that, laughing, because I thought, what else do you do? You ever, some of you have that happen where you're just like, I might as well laugh. Like, that's kind of one of my defaults. Um, and it also happens with other people's calamity. <laughs> like if you fall down, I'm laughing, okay? So um, unless you're elderly, and then I will help you and, and show compassion, but... Um, 
So I remember I'm, uh, I get up and I'm like, I just pack my stuff up. I got to get off this mountain. I start walking. It's just a monsoon. And it's so, the, it's so hard to see where I'm going. I end up taking a wrong trail. And I come down uh, into Daniel Boone Boy Scout camp. And I was like, that's cool. But it's like, this is like February or March or something. And I come into Daniel Boone Boy Scout camp. And I, that, I, was, I was one, one like a basin over from where I wanted to be. My brother's supposed to pick me up like four days from now at this other spot where he dropped me off and I come into this and I remember I get down there and the and it was straight out of a horror movie because the guy that was running the camp in the winter like the grounds guy he was horror movie just we'll leave it at that okay and he had a bunch of guys from Haywood County Jail out there doing some kind of work release and he said come on in I'll get I said I just need a phone it's pre-cell phones and even if you wouldn't have got a signal there anyway and he's like like come on in man we go in here and we're gonna have pizza like he's telling me about we're gonna have pizza like I'm nine like we're gonna have pizza it'll be great come on in so I'm like that's cool like uh, pizza's good I ate ramen noodles for breakfast at five this morning all right and then some chocolate pudding so I will take pizza because that was gross you know so like go in and we sit down and and you got all these uh guys in the county jumpers and he says now we're gonna pray and he sings this really weird prayer that he must have learned on like, like some kids some charismatic kids show and it was trippy and I remember sitting there thinking Oh man, I got to get out of here. Like I, I've, I've heard stories about stuff like this. You know, I got to bounce. I got to dip. I got to get out of here. Like I got to roll. <laughs> and so, like when you think about Daniel's prayer, so so when you compare Daniel's prayer and how he prayers, how he prays to the way that we tend to pray, I remember listening to that guy pray, pray, and I was thinking about it later. It was this memorized thing, and I don't want to cast judgment on the dude, but. We've all done this where you're praying, but you're not really praying. You're not really praying. Or like you're talking to your spouse or your friend or a coworker, and you're like, now what, what about, and you ask a question, and they're like, that's what I just explained to you. And you're like, oh, I must have not have been listening. <laughs> Anybody ever? Yep, all of you. Okay, good. All right, so, um, so like when Daniel's talking to God, he's intentional. Prayer is an intentional thing, and he recognizes the spiritual nature of it. And so in verse 13, something crazy happens. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. So this angel's like, hey, when you started praying, remember last time you prayed? And I was there by the end of the prayer. This time when you prayed, here I came. God heard, God sent, and I got tied up, man. I got in a three-week battle with this demonic being and he's like but it was cool because then Michael showed up and like Michael's the dude that kicked Satan out of heaven like you don't mess with Michael like Michael's Michael's the one okay so Michael shows up and so what we see is now the curtain gets pulled back and we're looking into something that makes a lot of Christians very uncomfortable we don't like to talk about this, but, but it's, it's so clearly biblical, even in the New Testament when Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he says, he says, like, there are principalities and powers, and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood in our spiritual warfare. And he writes to the Corinthians, think about this, he's writing to the Ephesians and the Corinthians about these things. These are pagan cities ruled by these demonic deities. And they'll say things like, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The weapons of your warfare are not of this physical world. Like you see this in Scripture talked about sort of in, in spiritual warfare terminology. This right here is a, we're seeing it played out. The curtain is pulled back. 
So I want to consider what this might mean. I think C.S. Lewis helps us here when he talks about the two ditches that people tend to run in. The one where it's like, oh, Satan's not even real. Like, I, that's, that's just weird. And the other ditch where we blame Satan for everything. You know, like, like, uh, like um, oh, I got a headache. Oh, oh, not today, Satan. You ain't getting, then you realize you didn't drink a, any water the last three days and you've lived on caffeine and those little pills you buy at the convenience store counter and you're like, oh, wait, I think I know why I have a headache. You know, like I had chocolate for breakfast and, and no water in three days. Like, or, or, you know, you go out and you, it's the middle of winter and, you, and your car won't start. Oh, Satan's just out to get me. And it's like a seven-year-old battery and it's the middle of winter and maybe you just need to take better care of your car, right? Like, so there's, there's we got to be careful that we don't attribute too much to Satan right? We, like those are the two ditches we have to avoid. He's not controlling all of your calamity, but he's also real and he has to be recognized for who and what he is. So I want to just give you a couple of things. Let's see, several, uh, four things that'll help you understand maybe. We're not going to do like a systematic theology or a biblical theology of Satan, but just a couple of quick statements here. Satan and demons, first of all, have limited but real power limited but real power. Satan's not like the counter to God. He's, he, he operates under the authority of Jesus. And so he's, he's got some authority, but like see the story of Job where his authority is limited to what God uh, empowers him to have or enables him to have. Next, Satan and demons have not only limited but real power, they have limited authority. So the power they have and the authority they have to use that power is all under um, the authority of God. And then Satan and demons have limited presence. Like, like it seems in Scripture that what Satan will do is deploy regional demons or, or these fallen angels to go and attack God's people. Um, and, but, but it's limited in terms of what they're capable of. In fact, um, some theologians will even question the, the terminology of demon possession because the, the Greek, when, when you look at the... Um, the ministry of Jesus when he's interacting with these demon-possessed folks, the word, it really would translate demonize. So the idea is this, like this studied oppression where, which brings us to the last thing, which they have limited knowledge, but they study humanity intently. So this is where like, um, Wayne Grudem uses the example, I love this, he's like, the, the person goes to the fortune teller and he's like, oh, you know, like she's trying to convince you that he knows about you. And so he tells you where something in your home is hidden. You're like, how does he know that? This guy's, well, if this guy's under the influence that's demonic, it could be that the observance of demons is real. And so oftentimes they will pass information along, but their knowledge is limited. And what we have is God's word and prayer to fight back against Satan. Daniel's prayers are so intense that demons are deployed and mobilized to attack him personally. Think about that. When's the last time you prayed and you made Satan mad? Right? That's intense. Daniel prays. He goes to work on behalf of God's people and Satan sends demonic forces to attack the work of Daniel's prayer life. It's really intense. Keep going. Verse 15. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. 
Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him, who stood before me, O oh, my Lord, my reason of the vision, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Bottom line right here, what, what we're seeing with Daniel, he is exhausted from the spiritual and the physical realm of battle. Sometimes you're going to experience those seasons or moments of just exhaustion. I don't, this, this was an exhausting week for me and for some of you. I know, I know anybody associated with the Jones uh, family because of the wedding. Anytime you have an event like that, you have a, 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 a birth a marriage, a death in the family, you're physically exhausted at the end of that, emotionally drained. This week I traveled, uh, I traveled, uh, I don't know, a couple thousand miles, preached six times, different venues, four nights this week I went to bed after two o'clock. Like, there, there are those seasons where you're just exhausted. And there are times where the physical exhaustion and the spiritual exhaustion come together to create something that feels overwhelming right? It, it feels overwhelming. We've all been there. It's grief and exhaustion combined. We talked about complex grief. And if you take that and you add physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, and you put that all together, you can have these moments in these seasons where you're just overwhelmed. Daniel is at a point in these verses where literally he can't even get himself up off the ground. He's exhausted. Verse 18, again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. Praise the Lord that for the believer, we have an ever-present help in our time of trouble. We have a constant helper in our time of exhaustion. We have confidence in our moment of grief. I look around this church, and I, when I stand in front of you on Sundays, and I look in the eyes and faces of so many people who we have grieved with you at a particular time in your life. Loss of a loved one, incarceration of a loved one, waywardness of a child, the death of a child, the, the brokenness of a marriage. And, and when we are in those moments of complex grief meeting complex exhaustion, it can overwhelm us. And what we need to know is the Lord is with us and he will strengthen us. Listen to verse 19. This is the key verse in all of it. And he said, and he said O man, greatly loved. Fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me, and I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. If you go back and you read, I didn't do this uh, for, for time's sake, but if you go back up until this point and you look at all of the descriptive phrases about Daniel's exhaustion, his grief, his hardship, his difficulty, and you put that on one side of the scale, and then you, you take those scales and you set verse 19 on them, It'll just throw that thing to the roof. Because listen to these just few phrases. Again, he says, you're greatly loved. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. Have good courage. And he spoke to me, and I was strengthened. When the Lord speaks to us, we're strengthened. You open God's word, you spend time in prayer, you sit before the Lord, and you meditate, and you bring your, you know, the scripture says to cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. He loves you, and he cares about you. There's peace. There's strength. Verse 20, then he said, do you know why I've come to you? Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. 
Like, what is going on, man? Like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go get some more of the Persian guy. That was fun. Michael, I think Michael broke him down. I'm going to go give him some of this, you know. Like, and then and I'm gonna, this prince of Greece is going to come in. And, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And then last verse will be verse 1 of chapter 11. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. How is this? Daniel, who is at this place, is strengthened, and then he's the one that goes and strengthens in the power and the word of the Lord. God will give us that ministry to others. So here's some takeaways, um, because, because what we're going to see over the next two weeks is the unfolding of this vision. But here's some takeaways, um, because again, um, in verse 14, he had said, I came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So we're going to start to unpack that vision that Daniel saw that is in the future. And here's the takeaway. Number one, remember that there are two realms. There's the seen realm and the unseen realm. Remember that every day of your life. We're wrestling against that which is spiritual, and we're contending often with the physical, physical exhaustion, grief that leads to physical exhaustion because of a lack of sleep. There's the physical realm. There's the spiritual realm. They're both real. They're both real. Uh, The second thing is that when things are difficult in life, I need to remember to practice the presence of God in my life. That God is present. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And I need to sit often before the Lord, be still, be silent. I challenged, we had a group of young professionals, I guess you would call them. Everybody I spoke to was was working in one of the big companies in Atlanta. Home Depot, corporate, Amazon, Coca-Cola, and they're believers. They were here this weekend, and they're, they're trying to shine the light of the gospel in such a dark world. And I said, you know what some of you might need to do is go somewhere and spend three or four or five hours separated from your technology. Sit quietly before the Lord. We need to practice that. Just, just practice the presence of God. Do you do that? If you don't, maybe the lie you believe is I don't have time to do that. You don't have time not to do that. You don't have time not to do it. We, we sit before the Lord and we reflect and God gives us, when you come to those moments of doubt or grief or fear or anxiety, you can almost always connect it to the fact that you've probably not spent the time with the Lord that you need to spend the Lord, with the Lord to be strengthened. And then, and then what we learn when things are difficult in life is that God supplies peace and strength. He's the source of peace and strength. He is not always the source of deliverance. We've seen that in Daniel's life. Sometimes we stay there in the battle, in the stress and the trial and the struggle, but God's presence is with us and brings peace and strength. The third takeaway is that we see from Daniel what it is to be greatly loved. No matter what happens, we're reminded that God is for us and we are greatly loved if we are in Christ. That's that warm blanket to my soul. And lastly, Daniel shows us what humility looks like. Daniel didn't, this is interesting, when he comes into the presence of the Lord, he doesn't tell God what to do, but rather he tells God how he is doing. Like, like the Lord knows how you're doing, but he wants to hear from you. It, he, he wants us to come into his presence, bear our soul to him, and show us so that he can show us what it is to be with his people. Through Christ, we have access to the Father so that in humility, we can bear our souls to him and he will bear our burdens for us. The curtain was ripped away at the time of Jesus' crucifixion and the curtain was ripped in two 
and this thing happened whereby the Spirit of God would moving forward then dwell with his people, dwell with us. and He would be our God. We would be his people. Jesus prayed for it to happen in the high priestly prayer, and then he promised us that his spirit would be poured out and that we as believers would have the constant presence of the spirit of the Lord in our lives. Jesus prayed that we would receive it, and when Jesus prays, some stuff happens, and we can be confident that the spirit of God dwells with us and in us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, tonight to understand um, the the gravity of your love for us, the ability that you have to to help us in our time of trouble, and the strength and courage that you will give us, those who wait on the Lord as we trust in you. God, even even as we've seen and peered into um, the unseen realm tonight, and even as we heard Gar give testimony to those new believers that have seen things that would blow our minds because in our world maybe the greatest enemy is busyness or distraction or material possession or whatever it might be. And we're easily distracted from the reality that there's a spiritual realm and we are in battle daily for our own souls and for um, our own holiness and for our own peace. We've got to pray that, that tonight you would supply peace to our souls and, and strength to our minds and our hearts that you would enable us to be girded up for battle, for prayer, for a sustaining pursuit of purity and righteousness and holiness, and that you would give to, to that one who may be here tonight in a season of hurting or anxiousness, that you'd give him the confidence of your presence and that we would look to you and be reminded of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.